Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I go all in on Clash of Champions. That's right. We go through each and every match. What did we like? And I got to be honest with you, we liked a lot from Clash of Champions, especially the main event between Jey Uso and Roman Reigns for that Universal Championship. A lot to get into. So let's go right now on the Busted Open Podcast. And I was thinking a lot of you, Bully, when I was watching Clash of Champions last night. And here's why. Because you always say, you know, I go, I go on my rants and you always say, LaGreca, it's not the talent's fault. It's creative's fault. When you talk about a lot of the storylines and things that are going on, especially on Monday Night Raw. This, the, the, the proof is what you saw last night. Because when it comes to the pay-per-views, obviously they tell you stories in the ring. And these WWE superstars are doing an amazing job of telling stories in the ring. Now, we get frustrated and we pull out our hair every Tuesday morning, and I'm sure we'll do it tomorrow morning, Bully, after watching Raw tonight. But when it comes down to the action, when it comes down to the wrestlers having to shine, they do that on a consistent basis. Last night, another example. And that's what you always preach on this show. An example is what we saw at Clash of Champions. We had about seven matches last night. All of them were given somewhat of a good amount of time. And the guys and gals got went to go out there and tell some stories. And this is proof of what I constantly preach here on the show. And I hope younger nation members are listening to this. It's not about the moves. I know you're preconditioned to think it's all about the moves, but it's not. It's about the story. If the story is done right, the moves are going to mean that much more. You see, a lot, of, a lot of wrestling fans these days are just responding to a move and not necessarily to the performer who's doing the move. If the story and the characters are right, and if the story and the characters are developed the right way, then that move is going to mean that much more, thus allowing you to respond to it bigger, better. EST is... And, 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 and last night, you got to see some good stories. I mean, there wasn't a lot going on in that main event when it comes to moves. Yeah, there, there were moves, but no moves were thrown away. No moves were prostituted. They took their time. They told a story, and they sucked everybody in last night. I thought they could have did a good job last night also in the, in, you know, with the, uh, with the opening match. Uh, we came back with the audio from them. They did a good job of telling a story of going for the win. Go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, that's a that's a great example you just brought up there, Bully, because it's a ladder match with Sami Zayn, AJ Styles, and Jeff Hardy. So you're like, this is going to be the ultimate car crash. They're going to do things with those ladders that are going to make you go ooh and ah. And listen, you got Jeff Hardy doing the swanton off the top of the ladder. You know, you've seen it many times before. I don't know why Michael Cole is yelling, no, t- tell me he's not doing it. Well, he does it every time. It's, you know, but like, but it was cool seeing that, that you know, Jeff Hardy still got it. He's still able to do it. But what were we, were we talking about right at the start of today's show? It's not about all the crash and burn things that you saw during that match. It's what Sami Zayn did with those handcuffs. It's the story of the title belt going in and then what he was able to do to keep that title belt. To me, it was about storytelling. And if you're talking about that in a ladder match, that means these guys and girls are doing it right. It's all about the build-up, Dave. If the foreplay is right, the finish will be even better. And it's the same way in a wrestling match. If you build it up the right way, if the story is right, if the characters are right, everything that you do during that storytelling, i.e. the moves, it's going to pay off bigger in the end. I'm not telling people how to watch wrestling. I'm just trying to help them appreciate it more. I had a very interesting uh, uh, thing happen the other night at wrestling school, Team 3D Academy, Danbury, Connecticut, accepting new students now. Uh, we, We do matches at the school, we have psychology matches. We have um, the, the students actually do five-minute, seven-minute, ten-minute matches, and then we analyze them as a, as a class. And I have the 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 rest of the students ask questions about psychology and the when, who, what, when, where, and why, and how of everything. And I asked one of the newer students. He had only been there for about two weeks. I go, "What did you like about that match?" He goes, "Oh, I love the moves." And I said, "Okay, what about the story?" He was like. Um, um, and I found an interesting, he's a 23 year old kid who's been brought up on wrestling probably within the past, you know, 10 years, 12 years wrestling that has very, been very reliant on moves, you know? And when I say moves, it's maybe the prostitution of moves and maybe the stories are not so deeply told. I've tried to explain to it to look at wrestling from a different point of view, storytelling first, and then those moves are going to mean so much more. Like when we, when we think of certain moves that are prostituted today, we can go back and put our finger on the guys that did these moves when it actually meant something. What's one of the biggest prostituted moves today? The DDT, right? Yeah. So anybody can hit a DDT these days and people will just, respond to the DDT. But you see, 20, 30 years ago, people were responding to Jake Roberts hitting a DDT. Anybody can hit a diamond cutter these days, and people are responding to the diamond cutter. But 20 years ago, it was DDP hitting that diamond cutter, and it meant more. Do those examples, I know you get it, I'm just trying to back up what I'm talking about with good examples. Well, and I think they're good examples too, but like right now we don't have live crowds or very, very minimal live crowds, Bully. So are you really getting those oohs and ahs now? So like a lot of times, like if I'm watching a show and it's a car crash match, 
it's fun to watch because you hear the crowd reacting, the crowd's on their feet, and you're getting the oohs and the ahs. Well, now more than ever, we need the storytelling because the crowd is not dictating what we're seeing in the ring. So if you're not going to get the oohs and ahs from the crowd, now more than ever, let's do psychology, let's do storytelling, and let's not take these crazy bumps in the ring that where there's going to be injuries because there's no crowd that you're playing up to. Because when you're sitting at home watching it on your couch, far different than if you're in an arena full of people oohing and on along with moves. Completely agree. Uh, I thought AJ, Sammy, Jeff did a good job of telling their story, and it was backed up with moves and with some good crash and burn spots, and it worked. Hey, everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Let's get into Roman and Jey Uso. And I like how, you know what, which was very, very telling, and it's something that we talked about. I liked where you, where um, Corey Graves called him Jimmy Uso. And then he was like, oh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. He's like, but you know what? This is what Jey Uso's been saying, and he said it on Friday. The promo that Jey Uso had on Friday I thought was phenomenal, where he's like, the question I – I get most often is which one are you? And, you know, we had the joke here on busted open. It's like Uso number one and Uso number two. Hey man, I have no identity. And I thought that was a great story going into the match. He had a lot to prove and they did a great job of where bully Roman Reigns has nothing to prove. Got nothing to prove. And I thought that was a great story. And the fact that he never gave up his, you know, Jimmy Uso came out to throw in the towel. And I just loved the Roman was, man, I don't want to ever hear people bitching and moaning about Roman Reigns. He was a ring general in that night, uh, last night in that ring. But I, I love the way he played up to the camera. We talked about, especially now during a pandemic where there isn't a live crowd, you got to play up to that camera. Roman did a phenomenal job looking into that camera last night. And you, how about when he took Jey Uso and shoved him into the camera? Uh, phenomenal job by Roman. Phenomenal job by Jey Uso as well last night. And, and by the way, Paul Heyman. Thumbs up across the board. Could not say anything more uh, complimentary about everybody involved in that match. The story, the characters, the execution. Um, first of all, how Roman looks. Roman looks better than he ever has. Roman, when he was wearing the vest, had a tiny little bit of extra, you know, skin going. Just the tiniest, tiniest of bit. He's taking this time off to take get rid of that, burn it all off, complete shir shirt off. He looks like a wall. He legit looks like, when I think of a brick shithouse, that's what I think of, Roman Reigns. And if you notice, Roman doesn't have the same kind of body as typical muscle guys. He's boxy through the middle. That's that Samoan thickness. You know, you're not just big on top and small on the bottom. You're thick completely through. 
And Roman's got that size. Roman is a dense human being, and he's more dense now than he's ever been. So great job by Roman, training his ass off and just looking so, so impressive. His facials right now. He's stoic. He's chiseled. You know what has, is coming off to me about Roman? Roman has been hardened by a relationship. And that relationship is his relationship with the wrestling business. Dave, there you've seen people, I don't know if this really applies to you because you're kind of you're like a, a, a kinder, gentler soul, but You've seen people who have gone through some bad relationship and they come out on the other side real hardened, yeah. almost emotionless, just so just so like immune to, to any type of feelings that you can't even get a read on them facially because everything is the same now. Yep. That's what I get from Roman. This business has hardened him and fans have hardened him because of everything that he has been... Ha- been put through with the booze and that Roman hate had to go through his leukemia, come back from it. Life and the business has hardened that man. And you can see the hardening on his face. Roman knows who he is now. A couple of years ago, I think I told you the story last week. If I'm, if I did, I'm sorry, real quick. Roman did a, a promo opened up the show at a promo. And I think me and Devon were the next match after him on Raw or whatever. And I was at the gorilla position and Roman pulled me on the side and he goes, Bubba, what did you think of that? I said, Roman, you're a heel. And he goes, I know. Everything about Roman has always been a heel. His inflection, his tone, his demeanor, everything. And now we're seeing comfort zone for Roman Reigns. And it doesn't hurt to have Paul Heyman, the best of the best of the best, help you tap into who you truly are. There is not a person in the wrestling business who can help you find out about who you truly are and then teach you how to harness it better than Paul Heyman. None, zero, nada, zilch. Now, about the match last night. Well, up until that point, Dave, would you like to say anything? Do you agree, disagree? No, I, I you completely, uh, you know what, Bully, that story about you talking to Roman after that promo, and I think every person who's listening to our show right now can relate to everything you said because probably 90% of the people who are listening to this show right now are the same people who booed Roman Reigns when they would see him in the ring. So I think we all can relate to everything you had just said. Now to the match. And before I get to the match, I want to read a a tweet that came in on the old Twitter machine right before the show started. It's uh, from Rich Hero. He said, Bubba, can a match that we saw last night with Roman Reigns and Uso ever get too personal? Like what made it great was the realness of their relationship. Could Jay actually be embarrassed about last night? His kids were mentioned. Very real. Dave, how do I like my pro wrestling? 
with some realism. Last night was about as real as real gets. That's why last night worked. When we get real, you get sucked in, i.e. Eddie Kingston. Very real on the microphone, he's sucking you in. Last night, this story from start to finish with the with the vignettes, what what Jimmy said, uh, what Jay, I get confused too. What uh, what 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 he said last week on the mic. I need an identity to go in there against your family that you grew up with to see them face to face to see that immense size difference. The son of Afa versus the son of Rikishi. The bloodlines. The, the trash talking that was going on, not to get heat from fans, but to get into each other's heads. Saying, tonight is just a continuation of everything that we've done throughout our whole lives as kids, as teens, as young adults, as guys in this business. I'm Roman. I've always been the top of the food chain in this family. You're Jimmy and Jay. Fall in place. Get in line. Bow down. Kneel before Zod. Kind of similar right there. Call me the chief or whatever he was saying. Admit I'm the tribal chief. Great, great storytelling told by great characters. Heyman's not jumping all over the place like he does with Brock. Nope. He's just standing there in awe of the tribal chief. Roman, ha- everything is different about everybody. Everybody's changed just a little something when it's Roman taking off the gear. Paul just standing there like, 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 a, like a mafia hitman, just taking it all in. Everything worked. It was so, so real. And it's relatable. People can relate to family members fighting. The best part about the match last night, we've heard Paul Heyman a million times with Brock Lesnar where he called him, you know, the undisputed, you know, champion, the the best, the greatest. I love when Paul Heyman yelled out to Roman, you know, you're the high chief. And he looked at Paul and was like, I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear from him. Like that was, that was like, it gave me chills when it's like, I I don't give a shit. Like, I don't give a shit what you're, you're saying. I want to hear from him. Like I, you talk about a match that grab and I'll say this quickly and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely wrong. It works in the situation that we're in right now. It works without fans in the arena because I honestly don't know how the fans would react if you had 15,000 fans. Would they be booing Roman Reigns or would they finally be cheering Roman Reigns? I don't know. I think they'd be booing him. I hope so. Especially, especially at the end with the way he beat him down and, and, and making Jimmy and Jay feel beneath him. I'm telling you, it's a kneel before Zod moment. 
everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. You had the ambulance match and all, you know, all rules are thrown out the window, bully. And then you got everybody that's been involved in this story. You got Christian. Well, I mean, I should say almost everybody that's got, because there is one person that we haven't seen and I'm sure we'll see down the road. But you got Christian, you got Big Show. You got Shawn Michaels, and finally you had Ric Flair. I thought that was a pretty cool story. Now, there's people that are upset that saying, hey, it made Drew McIntyre look weak because all these people get involved. And you know what? We could have that discussion. We can have that argument. But to me, it was about the story. These are the people that Randy Orton wronged and got involved. And I I don't think that was the last time you're going to see Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton in the ring because we do have Hell in the Cell coming up at October. But I thought it was a good, somewhat final chapter of a story that's being told on Monday Night Raw, Bully. Well, you said we can have that conversation. Good. Let's have that conversation. I didn't mind it. I didn't at all. Um, I because if that was the last match between Drew and Randy Orton, you know what? Then I can buy into that. But if there is that one more match, and we do have a Hell in a Cell match between Randy and Drew, I thought that was a good way to have those players get involved and have them have their say. Because I think you did need that. Now, we did mention there was one person you didn't see, and that was Edge. Because we are going to see Randy and Orton and Edge again at some point when Edge is back and healthy and ready to go. But I thought that was kind of cool seeing the big... And it was a surprise because I was not expecting to see them at all. So when did you see Big Show grab Randy Orton by the ankle? Pretty early, pretty early on. What was Randy Orton about to do to Drew McIntyre? He was about to punt him. So Big Show had to save Drew in that moment. He did. When Randy Orton was standing on top of the ambulance, what was he about to do to Drew McIntyre? About to close the door on him on that ambulance. When he was standing on top of it? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, Drew, Drew was, Drew was finished. Drew was done. It was that it looked like the end for your champion, Drew. So once again, the champion baby, the babyface champion was in peril. And then who did we see on the top of the ambulance? Shawn Michaels. So the babyface world champion needed help from two WWE Hall of Famers. I don't know. Is Show in the Hall of Fame yet? Yeah, he's in the Hall not of Fame, yet. right? He's not in the Hall of Fame. No, he will he be. Hasn't he will retired be. yet. All right, whatever. He will be. He will be. Why? I understand that they are part of the story. I understand why they would be there. But you have now told me that my Uber Babyface World Champion could not have beat Randy Orton unless these two major, major, major superstars got involved. The flare driving off at the end, 
I don't mind because that just flared driving off at the end. That's a nice little cherry on top. Kind of like when you see Sam Kinison driving the hearse in the Kickstart My Heart video. It, it, it's cool, you know. Woo, here we go, baby. Without, I, uh, no, no speed limits. I love it. But show and Sean, sorry, I can't buy into it. If this were to happen post-match, let's just say that Drew would have won and somehow threw Randy in the ambulance. And as Drew was posing, somehow Randy kicked the ambulance. Like, it would have been a, a slip on a banana peel kind of way to get into the ambulance. Drew with one. And then Randy came out of the ambulance and started to destroy Drew McIntyre. Now I can see Show and Sean there to help out. But in the body of the match, as a fan... I'm left to believe that my guy couldn't win. How am I not supposed to believe it? But what they do is they'll wrap it up in that entertainment bow, and I get it, and they'll move on. Because as of today, it won't matter anymore. After our conversation, it's not going to matter. But I can't buy in to my babyface world champion needing so much help to win. Um, I understand where you're coming. Like I said, even in my explanation, I understand the argument. But but you said, like, they'll move on. I, I, I would have to think, Bully, that they're not. I would have to think that we're going to see Randy Orton on Monday Night Raw tonight and be like, this is bullshit. Like, it took Shawn Michaels and Big Show and Christian to finish me off. It wasn't you, Drew. So I'm hoping that this is a continuation of the story. Now, if it's the end of the story, then I'm, I'm with you, Bully. Then you know what? You could have done all those things, but do it once the match has already been taking place and it's over. And I think like the Ric Flair driving away, perfect way to cap it off. Because all I was, once I saw Big Show, I was like, when are we going to see Flair? When are we going to see, like, that's all I'm thinking about. So I would hope that this leads to a Hell in a Cell match between Randy and Drew. So I, if it's a continuation of the story, I really don't have a problem with it. But if it's the end of the story, then I really I really don't have any argument, Bully, because then that end of the story, Drew McIntyre, who, by the way, I think has been a great champion, has been dealt a really rough hand and has not only done his best with it, but has excelled under these extremely odd circumstances over the last seven months. But I hope this is not the end of the story, and I hope that they do have a match at Hell in a Cell. When is the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view, or would they do it at Survivor Series? No, it would be the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view was announced last night. It is October 25th. Okay. Uh, I'm 99.9% I'm sure you're right that Randy comes out and cuts that promo tonight. You needed help. There's no way you could have did it on your own. I dare you to lock yourself in a cell with me. Yes. Makes sense. But... What I see last, when I see that last night, I can only talk about it today. Yep, I don't know what's going to happen tonight. You know? As it's of true. last, 
as of last night, I saw my baby face world champion need a lot of help from some real heavy hitters to beat Randy Orton. Now, if if they do what we're talking about right now tomorrow, uh, tonight, I come on the show tomorrow. <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. Go off button. I'll come on the show tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, uh and i was going to show tomorrow and say okay well what they did made sense to get them to the cell thus agreeing with you yeah but we'll see what happens i I mean in a lot of ways and i i saw this a lot on social media but a lot of people thought that the way that that match went on and ended that that's the end of the story because you had all these players but again, I still think you're going to get that match at Hell in a Cell. And of course, you're, you're going to get Randy and Edge back, uh, which I think is going to be something that a lot of fans are looking forward to as well. 877-344-4893, 877-FIGHT93. Bully, let's get back to the very, very busy phones. Let's go out to Lindsay in New Jersey. Lindsay, what did you want to say about Orton last night? Uh, Randy Orton, to me... Of course, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, but I think you, you need to give him his own damn wing in the Hall of Fame. I know it's not a real place, but, you know, that's the point is that he is just so damn good at everything he does. You talk a lot about selling bully. I don't know if there's anybody who's selling better right now than Randy Orton. Like when he dropped Drew on the ambulance windshield and then, like, was so dazed that he went for the pin to cover him because, you know, he was just so into it, didn't realize what he was doing. Like stuff like that, you, you see him do, and, and you're just like, damn, this this guy is so good, and I just love watching him. And Drew, to me, also extremely good. The best compliment I could give him was that like he was hanging in there with Randy Orton, and I, I want to see more. I would love to see another match between them at Hell in a Cell. I, I love watching what him. You I just it was said. a great, great match. Listen to what you just said about your baby face world champion. He was hanging in. If he didn't have help from Big Show and Shawn Michaels, do you still think he would have been able to, quote unquote, hang in? Or do you think Randy Orton would have did him in? Uh, that's tough. Like, I, you know, I was thinking this morning, even before you guys said it, like as good as Drew looked, he did. Uh, you know, he needed four people to uh, beat Randy Orton. Um, so it, it's tough to say. But okay. you know what? No, I'm just but, wanted to bring and, that up. And, though, and, Lindsay may, and Lindsay, thanks so much for the phone call. But you know what? Maybe that's okay. Like, I know that sounds crazy because, as you said, Drew McIntyre is your world champion. Drew McIntyre is your not only your world champion, as you said, he's your babyface world champion. But... To me, the way I look at Randy Orton, Randy Orton's on another level. Because like Lindsay said, like Lindsay started off the phone call saying that Randy Orton should have his own wing in the Hall of Fame. Drew McIntyre's not a Hall of Famer yet. Randy Orton is, you know, if you're making a list of top 10 greatest wrestlers, you know, you might have Randy Orton in your top 10. So I just think, especially right now, like Randy Orton is on a completely different level. That's why in a lot of ways, Bully, I wouldn't have been shocked if Randy Orton would have beat Drew McIntyre last night. If Randy Orton would have become your new champion. With everything that's going on right now without their fans and you talking about, hey, maybe down the road we we might potentially have fans. Would it be the worst thing to have Randy Orton become champion? And then you have Drew McIntyre, you know, 
recapture that championship when there is a, a presence of fans for the WWE. But the one thing that Lindsay said that I agree on, like Randy Orton is in a different stratosphere right now. The best thing that happened to Randy Orton is when Edge came back, gave him that next level to work up to that he hadn't had in a long time. And right now he's doing it on his own. He's elevating Drew. He's doing a great job. When Edge comes back, they'll go even higher. Yep, I, I I agree. It's 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 really we we you said many times like you need somebody in the ring with Randy Orton that could challenge Randy Orton. Randy Orton for the most part of the last like five to six years has kind of been working down. I don't think he can say that anymore. When you have Every- Edge and then even Drew McIntyre to me is an exceptional talent. I, I think it's just it's it's a different career. Like we're gonna look back at Randy Orton when we when it's all said and done, and we talk back uh, about his career. We're gonna be talking about this time in his career right now, probably more than any other time. Everybody needs somebody in this industry. You cannot do it on your own. Hulk needed Andre. Yep, and Andre needed Hulk. Austin needed McMahon, and McMahon needed Austin. And we can go on and on and on about any of the biggest rivalries. Flair needed Steamboat just as much as Steamboat needed Flair. The Freebirds needed the Von Erics just as much as the Von Erics needed the Freebirds. Dusty needed the Horseman just as much as the Horseman needed Dusty. Midnight Express needed the Rocker Express as much as the Rocker Express needed Midnight Express. You never talk about one act. and It's like, who did Elvis need? Elvis didn't need anybody. He was Elvis. Who did Kiss need? Kiss was on their own. It's it's different because they're on stage by themselves performing. In rock and roll, it's different. In wrestling, you can't just go into that ring by yourself and perform. Yeah, you could cut a great promo. You could you could do a pipe. Pi- Roddy Piper could do a Piper's Pit on his own and go blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, that bad guy will in- eventually need to impose his will on a good guy for him to become more hated. Everybody needs somebody in the wrestling business. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. We got another, I mean, I, I, I think right now the, the NFL officials are doing a better job than the WWE officials at this point. Oof. Because we got the big mistake last week with Mickey James and Asuka, where everybody is saying Mickey James is hurt. She's hurt. Everybody, she's hurt. We hope people praying, prayers and thoughts. We hope Mickey James is okay. Turns out Mickey James was fine. The official. Messed up. Now, let's go to last night. Last night, we get the same thing. We get an official making a mistake. Now, it does seem that Angel Garza was injured, but according to Mike Johnson, it wasn't a severe injury. It wasn't as severe as people first thought, but there was an injury with Angel Garza, and we got a clear three count when Dawkins' shoulder was up at two. So, Bully, again, 
Really good pay-per-view last night, but we have to talk about this because it did affect a championship match on a major pay-per-view. What happened there? All right, Angel Garza got injured, but Angel Garza wasn't a part of that pinning combination. So what happened? And even if there's an injury and you want the match to end, there's got to be better communication between the official and the wrestlers because you got a clear three count. When that shoulder was up at two. The move that, um, what's the Street Profit guy's name who came, who got the hot tag and gave the move? That was uh, not, Dawkins, right? Dawkins, yes. Dawkins hit his like sky high move that normally sets up the sky uh, high the, slam. The, the, yeah, the sky high slam that normally sets up the big, uh, big splash from yeah. um, Montez Ford. Montez. I believe what happened was the minute they realized Garza was hurt, they said, go home. So I believe what they were trying to do is hit the setup move and finish the match. I don't know if maybe Andrade thought, take the setup move kick, and then take the splash. When the ref tells you, go home, normally you just go to the finishing move. But the finishing move with that particular tag team is a setup and then a move. Probably a little gray area right there. My problem with it is the ref just counted. Because in his ear, they were telling him, go home, just just move on. Somebody's hurt. Let's just get past this. Moving on. Nobody's going to remember it. Nobody's going to care. Moving on. Moving on. We got to get this guy. We got to get him out of the ring. That's what happened. But that ref's involved in a lot of wonky shit. Well, I, I believe it was the same referee that was in the main event match at WrestleMania 35 at MetLife Stadium, which was the same exact thing, which is a three count when the shoulder was clearly up. Not, And it wasn't even like that type of scenario where at two, the shoulder went up. When he counted when he counted two, the shoulder was up, but he counted three with the shoulder back down, which means that the count should have stopped, obviously, at two or before two. And then here, clearly the shoulder was up after two. There should not have been a three count. But that's the thing, like, because you've always said, Bully, and I've heard not just you, other hosts that we've worked and guests as well. Like, if that if that shoulder is down at three, you better count three, even if that's not supposed to be the finish. So I would think that would have to be the same here, like where it's like, all right, you're supposed to go home. This is supposed to be the finish. But if that shoulder is not down at three, you better not count three. Well, he's going to count three because whoever was in his ear told him to count three, and he's going to listen to the gorilla position, not the wrestlers, because at the end of the day, he's got to answer to Vince. So heat with the office, heat with the boys. It's a hell of a double-edged sword. But when they get back through, get back there, if, if, if any of the street, problem, street profits have a problem with the referee, they're going to get pulled on the side and said, that was a Vince call. Got a problem with it? Go talk to Vince. And then you know what happens? Everything dies. That's it. It's is, over with. That was a Vince call. Is that the case, though? Because I'm just wondering with, like, is there's a way to get there, and then there's a sloppy way to get there. And, like, Last I feel night like... Was a little... It, it, they did, in theory, they did the right thing. 
They went straight home. I don't know why Andrade kicked. Maybe it was a little bit of miscommunication. Maybe he thought it was going to be the splash that was going to finish him off and not just the sky high. So when you're trying to communicate something to three guys inside of a split second, sometimes things are going to go awry. But if you watch that referee afterwards, he didn't give a rat's ass about the talent. Meaning, not, not about uh, uh, Garza being hurt. He didn't give a rat's ass about like whether or not the talent was mad. Nope, that was a three count, but I kicked. Yeah, I really don't care. Well, we saw they, that they with told, Mickey yeah. James and Oscar, they, too. Yeah, like they, Mickey they, James, they told me to go home. Yeah, Like, Mickey James is like, what the F? And, like, you know, the ref is just like, all right, moving on. Nothing to see here. Now, That's, when it came to the main event at WrestleMania, obviously that was a big talking point on our show. It might even be something, that, and we've seen it, shown afterwards. And then with Mickey James and Oscar, it was a big talking point. Everybody, you can't get away with anything. With social media, you're not getting away with anything. And then with last night, the commentators even were like, "What? That was he was his shoulder was up. Like they were like, what happened there? Like and they and they threw it right on the referee. Like, hey, his shoulder was up. And then like you you heard like uh, Corey Graves like his shoulder was up. Cole tried to play both sides. Like, let me see that again. And then when they they showed it a second time, they showed it from an angle where you couldn't see his shoulder. And and Cole and and Cole uh, Cole was kind of like, yeah, I don't know, his his shoulder might have been down. And Corey Graves like his shoulder was up. <laughs> like you know, Corey's got to hold on to his credibility. Cole will do whatever he has to do just to get through the two or three minutes that you have to, and then let's go to the next package and get the next uh, match in the ring. I'm, I'm giving you the uh, exactly what goes on and the thought process between everybody involved. Corey Graves knows damn well that he has to sit there and set, call what he sees. He's not going to look like a fool. It's like JR constantly have to, having to protect himself against all of the tag matches in AEW that make no sense because... They're going over the, te- the you know, the, the, te- the 10 counts or the guys are outside too long or the referee's not having any control over the match. So what does JR have to do? He's got to protect his credibility because he knows what he's seeing with his own eyes is completely wrong. Thus, Corey has to protect himself because he knows damn well that uh, Andrade kicked. Yeah. And, and he, but here's the thing too, like with AEW, they, they actually made that into a story with FTR coming in and being like, yeah, enough with this, not holding the tag rope enough of these, you know, all these crazy tags enough of not, you know, getting out of the ring at the 10 and the five and all. It was a story for one week during a promo. Has it stuck yet? Well, I mean, FTR does use those rules, but, but regardless, they do the other tag, the other tag team matches don't. And that, did, that's def- did 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 uh did uh Sonny Kiss and Janella and whoever the hell they wrestled this past week did they ad- adhere to any rules? Probably not. But I will say this though: at least they acknowledged it. Like I I want like they they can make stories out of this. And I'm just wondering like because you're saying it, and I understand what you're saying. Hey, Vince is saying go home. You better go home, and you better listen. And you know what? If the if the if the wrestlers don't like it, too damn bad. But now we're seeing it more often than ever before. Like you know because like we saw it in the NFL. You know as soon as there was you know a lot deep, lot, uh, more replay and everything else, and everything is much more dissected, the flaws are starting to show with the officials in the NFL. 
the, the flaws are starting to show when it comes to the officials in the WWE. And it's not on some live event. You're talking about the main event at WrestleMania 35, a live match on Monday Night Raw, and now a championship match on a pay-per-view. Those are, those are three big, you know, flaws to show. Like, I'm just wondering, is there's got to be a better way to communicate these things so you don't have this stuff. Am I wrong or right? How Okay, Dave, how can you better communicate that? That instance last night, how can you better communicate it? I would, I would, is the official, can, could the official communicate better with the ref, with the wrestlers that are in the ring? He told so them that to you go don't home. have what they had last. He night. told them to go home. It was a split second call. The minute, the minute the hot tag was made, he called, go, he told them to go home. Okay. So, all right. So let me ask you this. Cause you talk we, about, so the message was communicated. Should he have communicated it in Spanish for Andrade to understand it better? Like Viva Acasa? I don't know. But let me. Add, but you talk about credibility. Doesn't the referee lose all credibility if he's doing a three count when the shoulder is clearly up? They don't care about a referee's credibility. They don't even acknowledge referees half the time. Yeah, something went wrong. Moving on. No, they're not going to acknowledge anything like that because what they needed at that moment was to match to end. You, you're worrying about referees' credibility when we don't even know the referees' names? They're just guys, guys and gals in stripes, and they serve a purpose for when we need to serve them a purpose, and they do what we need them to do. And that particular referee, and the referee that was involved in the Mickey James uh, match, when that got screwed up, in working with those two referees, nice guys, but they seem to walk on eggshells to me. And a lot of the referees in the WD, WWE walk on eggshells because they're being told, hey, you know, if, if, if somebody is choking another guy and he doesn't break by the five count, then you better disqualify him. And something happens and he disqualifies somebody. Now he's got to, you know, be in the same locker room with that talent. And, he tur- and the guy turns around and goes, man, why'd you disqualify me? Well, you, you, you know what the rules are. Yeah, man, but you could have counted slower. Yeah, but Vince was in my ear. Yeah, but you could have did this to try to help me out. So if you're a referee in the WWE, you got the office in your ear, and you got the boys in the locker room with you. It's it's not an easy situation. When I say they walk on eggshells, <clears throat> I'm not calling them punks for walking on eggshells. I'm just saying that they do walk on eggshells. You're because there are <laughs> so many different people to answer to. That moment in time, I don't know why the referee did what he did in the in the Oscar Mickey James match. That was just a horrible blown call. J- the same way they blow calls in the in the uh, in the NFL. The explanation that was given is that um, the referee was looking out for the best interest of Mickey James. Right? Didn't yeah. think she continued the match or something like that. Well, if that's the case, freaking. Uh, uh, Charles Robinson should have ended that match when when Roman was mounting Uso and Uso couldn't do a thing about it and he was just laying haymakers into his skull. How come the, how come Charles Robinson wasn't looking out for the best interest of Uso in stopping the match? Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open. Podcast.
Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 